Welcome back, Wildcat Faithful, to the Wildcat Radio Podcast. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Adam Green. Adam, how's it going, buddy? Uh, good, I guess. You know, if you ignore everything that's happened with Arizona basketball over the last couple of weeks, and everything's great. I'm kind of to the point where I think it's going to – we're close to completely ignoring uh, <laughs> until the Pac-12 tournament. I, at this point, there's really – uh, it, ugh, it's it is not baseball season, good right? Baseball and softball. So that, that's good. It is baseball and softball season. It is quickly. Uh, yes, yes. I, I'm looking forward to that. Let, let's just say that. Uh, and so, Adam, just real quick, a couple of housekeeping items uh, before we jump into last night's or, you know, by the time everyone hears this Saturday's miserable loss at home to Washington State. Uh, as for the ha- housekeeping items. Wildcat Radio Podcasts, subscribe for free through iTunes, Google Play, really any podcast catcher. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle, Wildcat Radio AZ. Facebook as well, the Wildcat Radio Facebook page. While you're out there, also check out the Wildcat Radio website, wildcatradioaz.com. That is the exclusive home to all of our written content as well as these podcasts. You know, Adam, last time we spoke, I, I know we didn't record last week. Um, you know, the ASU game happened last week, um, you know, or I guess now two, two, two Thursdays ago. Mm-hmm. You were at the game. You know, Brian, them, they, they touched on it. A lot has happened since then. Probably don't need to spend too much time on that. It is just worth noting since we haven't touched on it. Of course, that game went overtime. Brandon Williams was a late scratch in that game. You know, they tried to give it a go, sprained MCL. Uh Arizona ended up taking Arizona state to overtime where they ultimately lost 95, 88, Adam, uh, you know, I, and any thoughts on this? I know, I know you were, you were at the game. How, how did they look? I mean, 14 of 28 from three. I think that was the final tally. I know it just sucks not being able to capitalize, uh, on, on a game where you shoot 14 of 28 from three, but, uh, did you have any, any takeaways on that game or anything it, you saw? It was hard to, because that of course came off to the LA road trip where Arizona couldn't make anything. Mm-hmm. So they come out this game, especially without Brandon Williams, and we knew Chase Jeter was going to play, but he came off the bench and didn't look anything close to himself. And the fact that Arizona took ASU, who was clearly the more talented team, to overtime, I thought was more of an indictment on the Sun Devils than anything great about the Wildcats. But at the same time, if you wanted to be optimistic, and I don't know anybody who really was after that game even, especially without Brandon Williams and just seeing what was going on, you would say, well, if Ryan Luther can shoot the ball like that, if Coleman gets to be aggressive like he was there, if Dylan Smith can shoot like he was in that game, then hmm, maybe the Wildcats can build off of that and kind of make a late run in this thing. But of course, we've seen the two games since then that wasn't the case. So you know, I think the takeaway really was that ASU is the more talented team, but I do remember thinking, and I believe it to this day, that Sean Miller coached circles around Bobby Hurley in that game because mm-hmm. ASU was better. I don't think anyone could watch them and say they're not the more talented roster, yet Arizona took them to the brink, and that's because either the Wildcats shot out of their minds, which might be the case, ASU's is inconsistent, which is clearly the case, or Sean Miller was just a superior game coach, which I know a lot of people don't believe that about him, but at least in terms of thing, first Bobby Hurley, he is the better coach, and he showed it in that game. Yeah, it was really, you know, going into the game, then finding out that Brandon Williams was, was indeed a late scratch and that, 
you know, it just kind of felt, uh, you know, Chase Jeter, of course, coming off of the injury, not really knowing how's he going to look, what's he going to do. You pointed out, obviously, he looked like a shell of himself. And, and frankly, that has carried uh, in, into, you know, the next weekend that the Washington schools at home. He's just in a funk right now. He's just not right. So, uh, you know, it, it was kind of interesting, I guess, just from the standpoint of it just felt like there was zero hope. In that game, you know, knowing Chase Jeter and Brandon Williams, arguably our two best players, uh, one missing the game, one really banged up, not knowing what to get. And you still took them to overtime on the road. You know, it was kind of interesting. So I think that if there's any takeaway from that, I guess that it is, you know, that ASU is very inconsistent and, you know, something, uh, you know, yes, John Miller appears to still be the better coach over Bobby Hurley. So that's if there is, uh, like I said, a silver lining to that. I guess that's what it'll be. So, Adam, moving on then to the Washington game Thursday night, you know, there, there was uh, so you had a week to prepare. Uh, it, it, it was it was determined early last week that Brandon Williams would miss Washington and Washington State. Right. So, you know, the, the team knew they were practicing all week, knowing that there would be no Brandon Williams. So you had a little bit more time to game plan mm-hmm. for life without Brandon Williams. And, you know, it felt like, OK, well, that that's pretty good. The first half of that game, the Washington game, you know, it felt really good. I know Washington uh, also was missing Noah Dickerson, I believe, right? One of their better players. Oh, he ended up playing, right? right. Yeah, of course you came back for that game. Came back for that one. 26 26 minutes, 10 points for Noah Dickerson there. Um, But, you know, so that first half, Washington with just a one-point lead, 29-28. And, you know, it was kind of interesting, too, from the standpoint of that there was uh, some, some movement on, on the line, right? It opened as a pick and then it started moving in favor of Arizona. I think by the time tip-off happened, Arizona was a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So you're kind of thinking, uh, you know, what's somebody must know something. Don't know if that was about the speculation of Noah Dickerson's availability or not. But, uh, you know, Adam, halftime of that game, 29-28. What were your thoughts, you know, after that first half? Yeah, that Arizona was, you know, playing inspired basketball, not particularly good basketball, but they were playing hard against a team that Washington, where I don't I think we've talked about them before. I don't think any of us thought Washington was a great team. They were clearly the class of the conference in Arizona at home with all the drama that's been surrounding the program recently without Brandon Williams was playing hard. Like they were finally back at McHale Center. So, you know, it was one of those where you wish they would have played better. They clearly didn't carry over the shooting performance from ASU. But you're like, okay, they're in this game. And I think, especially where most of us are at with the Wildcats now, for them to be in any game against a pretty good team is kind of like that moral victory that you never want to be searching for. So, you know, maybe that's the pessimist in me. But I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. They're in it. And that, to me, was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I actually, I, I really thought, you know, with a week off, knowing you had, you know, multiple days to prepare without Brandon Williams, Chase Jeter, of course, was inserted back into the starting lineup. You felt, you know, it was one more week of Derek Jeter or Derek, gosh, man, every time you're gonna have to start charging <laughs> me a dollar. I do every time Chase Jeter, you know, each day progressing, getting healthier for Chase Jeter. It just felt like, you know, this kind of had the makings of, you know, going back home, getting things right, you know, Sean Miller writing just a, a, a three-game losing streak. It wasn't pretty. Um, you know, it's only happened a handful of times, if that, in his career uh, with Arizona. It just all felt like, you know, Washington, they're looking for their first conference loss. You know, everything was kind of adding up in that first half. You know, it looked, it looked decent, right? It, mm-hmm. it looked like things were maybe stacking up that way. And then the second half turned around, and they just – couldn't really it just felt like there was just this hump and it just feels like if, if, it, if it's one hump in one game it's a completely different hump in another game you just can't seem to get over that hump you know it's like as far as the scoring goes right mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> 60 points in a home game. I mean, how many times this season have they been held to 60 or less at home? I mean, this whole thing is just really starting to get kind of nuts. And then, so if you consider it like a scoring hump, right? Like the offensive, uh, the, the inability to put up points versus, you know, ASU, it's like, well, dang, that just sucks. Like they're just, there were, there was spotty defense, right? Like overall yeah. it was just, they weren't attacking the boards. They just had a hard time rebounding in that game, but the scoring was there, right? So if it's, it's not one thing, it's another thing. And ultimately, of course, Washington gets out of Tucson with the W 67, 60, pretty disappointing game overall, because it even felt like at times in the second half that there was still, there was still a chance, right? But of course, you know, even that final score was a little misleading because I know Washington had like a 12 point lead with like 90 seconds left in Arizona. Kind of, you know, they, they were able to kind of chop into it a little bit. Um, you know, Chase year ends up falling out of this game. Only, as I mentioned, only the 26 minutes, 12 points, only three rebounds, uh, you know, I, 11 points from our bench. It just, I, 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 Brandon Randolph, you know, just another, just another awful performance as far yeah. as I'm concerned, two of 13 from the field, only four free throw attempts, converting only two of those six points total on the night. You know, he, he's somebody that's just up or down, you know, it's just, it's just so unpredictable, which Brandon Randolph you're going to get, and, you know, honestly too, I feel like he really feeds off of Brandon Williams because Brandon Williams type of game it will almost be, you know, when he's on the floor, when Brandon Williams is on the floor, you know that all eyes are on him. It, yeah. it almost kind of it, it, it almost frees him up to an extent, right? Where he's comfortable not being the main show on the floor, and that's really where he shines. You know, if he's if he is our most dependent upon scorer, uh, I haven't seen where there has been a situation where we should feel good about that situation because honestly, like he just really has not lived up to that to, to that expectation really at any one point especially without Brandon Williams being off the floor. So I, I don't know, man, I, maybe I'm just super down on this whole thing. And we'll obviously get to the Washington state game next. But um, I mean, we, it seems like each week we ask this question. I mean, how concerned are we now about Brandon Randolph? Yeah, I think what, it's not even the right question. It's just like, this is who he is. Yeah. You know, he looks the part. He has the right frame. He's athletic, but he's just not a particularly consistently good basketball player. I mean, at this point in his career, obviously, he's a sophomore. There's room for him to get better if he works hard. But, you know, what's the most depressing thing about watching these guys so much is that they're missing wide-open shots. Yeah. You know, it's not like they're contested. And there's a reason why the Wildcats are where they are right now. They're not as good as teams that they've had in the past. And they played a team like Washington. It's hard to get over that hump unless you shoot lights out because Washington is better. So when you have someone like Brandon Randolph, who for the non-conference looked like everybody's like, oh, look at the leap he's made from his freshman to sophomore year. You know, the leading scorer, look at him. He's developing that guy, and he, for whatever reason, whether it's the lack of Brandon Williams, whether it's defense is paying more attention to him, whether it's just the inconsistencies of being him, like, he has not been good. And like you look at the box score, Ryan Luther didn't shoot the ball well either, and Dylan Smith was Dylan Smith. He had his normal game, and I'm fine with that. Made a few threes, but absolutely, and we knew this before without Brandon Williams or even without Chase Jeter when he missed the L.A. trip, you talked about how they needed people to step up, and Brandon Randolph was a perfect candidate to fill that void as someone who could score, and he just can't do it. You know, 13 shots, he made two, 0 of 6 from 3, and this guy's a shooter, and I don't want to just like go hard on the guy. I mean, he's a sophomore, but he's the type of guy that Arizona needs to be playing well to have a chance against decent teams, and clearly against Washington, he did not play well. Not at all. And, you know, I think, I think kind of getting back to, you know, what's a silver lining in this situation. It has been nice to see Justin Coleman kind of get back on track, right? In the ASU game, he was tied for the leading score uh, with 19 with Ryan Luther uh, against Washington. He was the leading scorer with 16 points. You know, there, there, there were, 
there were moments in, in, in the second half when Justin Coleman really started attacking the rim and it felt like it was starting to start in, 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 it wasn't even like, you know, he was just jacking up some, 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 some little lobs, some kind of weird layup trying to draw the foul. Of course he was drawing the foul, but, but he was honestly getting good lanes and Mm -hmm. finding openings and converting some of these layups. It was kind of some flashes back to the Iowa state game in Maui, which is now it feels like light years away, but uh, you know, it it, it was just kind of nice to see Justin Coleman, the Justin Coleman that, that we saw flashes of, especially in situations like this, where chase Jeter, of course, hasn't been Chase Jeter that we've known all year. Brandon Williams not on the floor. Brandon Randolph just you know shrinking up, not being able to, uh, just really not being able to deliver. So it is somewhat nice to see you know your your senior, your captain, kind of step into that situation and take care of you know I guess you know of, of what he should be responsible for, right? I mean, you can't expect him to fully take over the game because it's you know Washington is still a very good defensive team. They're they're long, they're lanky. I mean the whole bit, right? Like they are still a very solid team. So it's very unfair if you're going to be critical of Justin Coleman in that situation. But it's good to see him kind of get back in the swing of things. Ira Lee, I guess you know, coming off the bench, eight points, six rebounds. You know, he's really he's been he's fine. Really, he he's he's really found himself a nice little role now, right? You know, I know that Sean Miller, you know, maybe teased the idea of him getting into the starting lineup, you know, and then it didn't necessarily work out to be the best. And that was probably just more of a personnel thing. Chase Jeter coming off the bench. But uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, you know, he, he's really shaping up to be a, a pretty solid sixth man, I think. Yeah. And that's the thing with this team. Like you could honestly go down the entire lineup and, and that's what we're doing here, but you could go down the entire lineup and find places to say that guy can contribute in this way. You know, Coleman, a couple weeks ago, the last time we recorded, I was saying I wanted him to come off the bench because he wasn't mm-hmm. being aggressive. And thankfully, the last few games, he stepped up and was aggressive. And But you see, he's not the type of talent who, when he gets aggressive and is on, it's going to go off for 35 points. You know, he right. might get you 15, 16, and a few assists, and that's his ceiling, and that's fine. doesn't make him a bad player, but there's so many guys on this team who, they're not the worst. Iverly has a role. Coleman has a role. Dylan Smith has a role. Ryan <sighs> Luther has a role. But there's just no one on this team that is capable of carrying them who can get hot. And Brandon Williams, especially like we saw against uh, UCLA, like he has the potential to be that guy who can get hot and carry you. And he has the aggressiveness to do it. And without him to kind of lessen the load on these other guys, it's tough. Because if you look at the lineup right now, who is a go-to guy? And like there isn't one. Coleman might be the closest thing you have, and he's not nearly good enough to be that. You know, Randolph has the most potential, and he's not good enough to be that either. So we see that where certain guys are filling their roles well, but you can't have a team of only role players and expect to win a lot of games. And that's where Arizona's at right now. They needed someone to emerge as that superstar, that guy who could carry them. And we thought maybe it'd be Randolph earlier in the season. Then we hoped it'd be Williams. And it's clearly not Randolph. And with Williams not playing, it can't be him either. And that's why they're struggling right now. Dylan Smith is somebody that I want to touch on here, right? So briefly going back to the ASU game, you know, he, he had a, a decent outing, I thought, right? Uh, he had only in 27 minutes, right? He had the 11 points, uh, three rebounds. He, he kind of, you know, it seems like he always has a moment defensively where it's like, wow, yeah, like that's exactly what we need. You know, big defensive stop, you uh-huh. know, what have you, big bucket, right? But then there's always going to be some sort of offset to those big moments that he has. There's always a dumb yeah. turnover or something like, come <laughs> on, man, really? Bad foul, bad turnover, travel. You know, his foot is out of bounds when he catches the ball, just double dribble, you know, what have you. Again, there's always some sort of offset to some good that he has, which is always a net neutral thing. You know, in that ASU game, he 
he always, you know, he what he fouls out, and that was a situation too where now you're relying so heavily on Alex Barcelo to be plugged into a situation mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, he can't handle it. There are two different skill sets here, right? Another sophomore, Alex Barcelo, who's really not progressing the way that anybody would have liked to have seen, you know, almost in a similar sense of Brandon Randolph. Of course, Brandon Randolph has flashed bigger upside this year. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's that type of situation where you expect in your upperclassman, Dylan Smith, on the road, where you expect him to be able to not foul out of a game. You know what I mean? Like I understand playing hard and all that bit, but if you're going to foul out in 27 minutes, you're starting to flirt with the Ira Lee territory <laughs> of fouling out here in like 15 minutes. And that's not good because that you're already thin, right? Like obviously no Manuel Acott, obviously no Brandon Williams. And it's, it's very imperative that you stay in that game. And he wasn't able to do it. The Washington game, you know, yes, you know, he, he 31 minutes, you know, so slightly higher there, but only six points, uh, or excuse me, he, he had nine points. Dylan Smith did in 28 minutes. So just you know, a minute more than the ASU game, of course, but okay. So in this one, there was no fouls, right? So that's good. So, right. Like maybe he picked up on, all right, let's just kind of, I, I think it should also be noted that that ASU game, they were a little whistle happy as yes. far as everyone was concerned. Yes, so were. I think that's also important to note. but, but still as the game progresses, you have to know, you have to adjust, you have to adapt. Right. So I don't want to completely throw it on the wrist on the, on the whistles and, and the refs being trigger happy. That's fine. Whatever Dylan Smith in the Washington game. Yes. Nine points. Fantastic. Three of five. You know, again, there's, you know, you're going to get some big threes out of him. Right. I get that. That's great. Six turnovers, however. Yeah. Six turn. I mean, it's just like I. I just I can't understand why. I. I, I guess I just I. I'm, I'm honestly just at a loss for words at times when you're sitting there watching. And in the Washington State game, I mean, same exact thing. Of course, we'll jump into this just uh, in just a few more moments. But it's just every game now with Dylan Smith, especially in a situation where you need your upperclassmen, right? If if you're Alex Barcelos, you're Brandon Randolphs, you're, you're Ryan Luthers. I mean, of course, Ryan Luther is an upperclassman. But if these type of role players are not performing. You expect to see a Dylan Smith guy who's been in the program now for what is this his third year? He had a yeah. red shirt year as a transfer year. He was obviously active somewhat last year. I mean, what the, the stat in the ASU game, he would Dylan Smith was the only player for for, for Arizona to score in the ASU games last year. I mean, isn't that nuts? It's like, so a guy that's been there, right? Somebody that's been acclimated to the program and everything. And you just expect to see, I don't know. It just is a little bit more. It is just, that fair uh, though? Like, what if he's just not good enough? Right? <laughs> like, we could sit here all we want and say we want this guy to be better. He's been with the program, but like, Barcelo could be with the program for four seasons. It doesn't mean he's going to be good as a senior, you know. And I don't mean to pick on him there, but what we're seeing, and that's why this is so tough to watch this season. I think is we want to analyze them like every other Arizona basketball team, except this team isn't as good. And the reasons for that vary depending on who you talk to and what you want to point to. But I think the simple truth, and that's why it's, you know, you could say that pretty much every single week, especially when they lose. But, yeah, we could want Dylan Smith to be better, but he's just not. And A lot of it's boneheaded, he, though. Well, yeah, like, but, I'm, I'm not who willing. he is. Yeah. But the so fact that, that he, he developed into a decent defender, right? So he actually has improved. But he's just not that high ceiling guy. He's not the player you can rely on to be a go-to guy to carry you on the road, even as an upperclassman, because he's just not that good. You know, it's like asking these guys, and that's where I think the biggest crime with this team, and I don't know who to blame, but they have all these players who on any other Arizona team, they're probably coming off the bench, you know, supplementing a guy, and you're like, oh, that's fine. You know, I like that Dylan Smith can come in and be like, even last year, he came in a few games, hit some threes, he was helpful, but they didn't need him. 
You know, a guy like Brandon Randolph could come in and be instant offense. If he doesn't have it, he doesn't have it, that's fine. You go to the next person. You know, Ira Lee would fit in well with some of the previous Arizona teams. Chaser would be great with previous Arizona teams. But the problem is they're on this Arizona team, and this Arizona team doesn't have the superstars to allow the role players that make up this roster to flourish the way we'd want them to. So, like, I agree with you. I'd love to see more out of some of these guys, especially the upper class who have been around. But I just think it's a fact or a simple matter of them not being as good as we need them to be for Arizona to be what we're used to seeing. I understand that this team will not be anywhere near. I mean, so what, probably three years ago, right? The Ryan Anderson, Mark Tolfson year. Like th- this team is probably worse than that team anyway, right? Because that team at least still made the postseason. This that team, team had right freer, now. That team had, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like, you know, th- this team is just simply not there. Now, of course, injuries play into this too, right? I mean, although Alonzo Trier missed, you know, when he broke his wrist that season and he still, you know, that team was able to still uh, rally and, and get some get some key wins to to improve their postseason chances here. Uh, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing willing to to chalk up everybody as far as Devin Air Dutree, you know, young, fine. Alex Barcel, but, but second or more year guys, right? Like not not true freshmen. So what I'm saying is like the Alex Barcells, the Ryan Luthers, you know, I'm totally fine with saying that those two guys are not necessarily uh good enough, right? And I really hate to I really hate to bang on them from that aspect. The problem that I have with Dylan Smith is that Dylan Smith, so much of this is just so boneheaded because there he has had many flashes, enough flashes to suggest that he is capable of of, of kind of elevating, uh, uh, you know, above the Ryan Luthers and Alex Barcelos. It's just these silly turnovers, these silly isolation situations. When you know that's not the play Sean Miller called, Sean Miller does not trust Dylan Smith in ISO situations. So, <laughs> you know, get it to Justin Coleman at the top of the key and let him form the play. Uh, it, it's just that type. Like I just, I'm really starting to get sick of it. And honestly, too, it, it, it bled, of course, then into the Washington State game. And you know, we talked about the irrational confidence, all that stuff. But um, you know, I guess. Well, think you know, of Jamel Horn, right? Can we say he's a less talented Jamel Horn? Um, I think Horn was still a five-star guy, but he made those stupid mistakes, and people pretty much said the same things you're saying right now about Smith up until Horn's senior season when they made the Elite Eight, and you had Derek Williams, you had Momo Jones, you had Solomon Hill, and all of a sudden, he didn't have to be a key, he didn't have to be a starter, he just had to be a guy to come off the bench and give you some minutes, make a couple buckets, but he was a guy who made so many dumb mistakes, you're just like, come on, don't be like that, but he was a five-star recruit, you know, bigger guy, a great athlete, whereas Dylan Smith isn't that, so I... You know, I get what you're saying. I do. I'm just not sure it's fair to be mad about that. Like, I'd be more upset that Arizona's relying on some of these guys to fill roles that they're not capable of filling. You know, Dylan Smith should not be a starter for anyone for Arizona. Justin Coleman, maybe not either. Ryan Luther, probably not. Like, they should be guys to come off the bench. They should be your sixth man, your seventh guy. You know, but here at Arizona, especially with the roster they have now without Brandon Williams, they're forced to start. And just because they're one of the five best players on the floor right now doesn't mean they're worthy of being in that spot compared to some of these teams that they play. So like you're right. It's disappointing, but I also think to some extent it's quite understandable. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox here with, <laughs> with, uh, with Dylan. You know, I'm just going to keep banging on the Dylan Smith thing. You know, I, again, I, I'm, I'm fine. I, I can live with the Ryan Luth and Alex Barcelo situation because frankly, I mean, I, I just don't think that, they were as good as advertised. I mean, and, and that's fine. Like I, I actually, I, I just truly feel that they are not capable of delivering uh, on the type of, I guess I didn't want to really call it hype, but I guess just 
I don't even know if praise is the right word either. I mean, it's just like, uh, I, I guess the, the expectation maybe that was set upon them when they came to Arizona, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, but Dylan Smith, I mean that, yeah, whatever we'll, we'll move on from the Dylan Smith thing. But, um, so then fast forwarding of course, into Saturday night, right? So, uh, Washington state who was coming off a 21 point win in Tempe, Adam, I was, t- I was telling you this before we started recording. I'm very thankful that I did not make fun of ASU on my Twitter handle and start going at the, <laughs> at nine forty two crew or whatever that lame student section thing is. Um, just because you don't have to wow. go after them. Bobby Hurley did it for you. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, but just wow. 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 So I um, so I tuned into this game uh, around like the 1530 mark in the first in, in the first half. And Arizona was losing seven to nothing. Right. So uh, right off the bat, you're thinking like, wow, no points in the first four and a half <laughs> minutes. Like, yo, OK. But the good news was Washington State only had seven and it's Washington State. Uh-huh. So you're thinking like, OK, and, and, and Arizona's at home. So this, yeah, OK, fine. You know, whatever. Slow start should be able to recover. Uh, they they were not able to recover Adam. I, I they as, as as a matter of fact they they never led in this game. I mean it it was an absolute joke. And uh, you know if 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 everyone was upset about the four game losing streak coming into this game, uh, they have every right to just be besides themselves as far as this game is concerned, right? So Justin Coleman once again the leading scorer. Happy to see that uh, only five of fourteen from the field. Uh, totaled 14 points, uh, you know, Devin air Dutrieve, fine. 10 points, 11 rebounds, uh, fine. You know, whatever three <laughs> of 10 from the field, uh, Adam there, I'm sorry, but there is just no, no excuse for this one. I, I, I know that, that what, what do they call him? Bobo Franks? Robert Franks is how he's listed yeah. here, but they were calling him Bobo Franks or Robo Franks, but whatever Franks, uh, the guy, the, 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 the wing player of the seven, two wingspan, absolutely lit us up yeah. 31 points, 11 of 17 from the field, seven of nine from three. It was such a beautiful game plan from them because, you know, um, <clears throat> again, there's another situation where Emmanuel Acott would have been so beautiful in this game as far as the, as far as the uh, defense is concerned, because, you know, it's like, so then they're putting, you know, Dylan Smith on, on Frank's on the outside, right? Because he's going to shoot it, right? So you're hoping, you know, all right, get some kind of perimeter defense on him out there. Well, then he puts it on the floor and gets to the basket, no problem. Uh, if you put Ira Lee on him, which, you know, they were kind of trying to do a little bit, you know, it's like, all right, he's down, he's down on the block a little bit, you know, put Ira Lee on him. He can at least body him up. Well, then he would stretch Ira Lee out a little bit. And it was like, great. You know, uh, it, we, there was just no answer for this guy. It was just yeah. so disgusting. You know, Adam, I, I don't even know. Do you have... Uh, I don't even honestly want to spend too much more time on this game because it was so sickening. Of course, the final score was 69 55. Um, do you, do you have any takeaway? Could you find a positive about this game? Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I mean, Dutree played admirably he had a double double in extended minutes, but no, I mean, this was like, I remember cause when you said when you were breaking down, like you were down seven, nothing, but it's a bad start as Washington State, so you feel like Arizona's going to come back, and that's previous Arizona teams. Right. You know, this team, you watch them, and you're like, okay, I don't know if Washington State's going to shoot the ball like this all night, if Franks is going to make threes all night, but we also had to be like, well, Arizona has to put the ball in the basket, and so we can point to the defense all we want in this game, and that's fine, but Arizona shot 
They made half of their free throw, 6 of 23 from 3. Like, this was just a pitiful offensive performance. I mean, only nine turnovers, but it doesn't matter because every time you shoot the ball, it ends up going to the other team on a rebound. Like, you can't do that and expect to win. And I don't care if you're playing Washington State. I mean, they're one of the worst teams in the conference, and they went down to Tucson and beat up on Arizona good. Like you said, Arizona never led in this game because Arizona couldn't stop Franks. And side note, it's fun when those stretch four guys are on your team. Right, this must be what it was like for all those other teams watching Lowry, but you know, I it's just no Arizona's a bad basketball team, and they played bad in this game, and they deserve this final score. So I mean, I wouldn't even try to search for positives because Arizona was awful. Yeah, I, I was having flashbacks to that Utah Valley game, and I, and, I, and I know we touched on this because um, you know they they they, they were. Arizona was down like 12 points, Utah Valley at halftime. Right. And then, and then Brandon Randolph comes out and just like gangbusters hits four straight threes. Right. And they pull him right back in as far as, as far as the level of talent was concerned. It, it, it was, you know, it was like, okay, that's great. They, you know, the, the shooting, the, the flukiness of the four straight threes to open the second half that was enough to get Arizona back into the game and then ultimately will them to victory. Um, this, this was a game though, that, that had shades of that, but we said at the time of the Utah Valley game that it was just simply like there will, there will come a point in the season where, you know, uh, you're in conference play and you're playing against power five talent and you will not be able to recover from that type of deficit uh-huh. or that sort of devastating, you know, start. Right. And this was once again, just another one of those situations, you know, I mean, this, this, I, I was just having just awful flashbacks to that thinking like, man, it, we knew that it was going to happen and it happened. Now, of course, again, Chase Jeter didn't look himself. You know what I mean? Like at Washington, he, I felt like he looked a little bit better, uh, but, but in this game, Chase Jeter was just awful. I mean, he had 26 points, no point, no point, or excuse me, 26 minutes, no points. Oh, four from the field. Of course he had the six rebounds fine, but he was basically, I mean, he was rendered useless. He's in this a game. There, there, there was nothing, nothing at all. Um, so, I mean, Adam, you know, I final score is 69, 55. Like I said, ugly, ugly loss, arguably the worst loss. Um, the, I mean, probably the, the worst loss uh, dating back to what I, I saw somebody put out there like the last 35 years, but like probably uh, pr- probably maybe maybe Lute Olsen's first year. Something Based like on that. Just the opponent and the fact that it was at McHale Center. Yeah. No, I mean, this is a game that Arizona uh, never used to lose. No, like, never mind no the fact way. whether it was 14 or four or however Arizona loses this game. It was always going to be ugly. Just it happened to be a game where like, honestly, it's almost getting easier for me because Arizona's just not good. Yeah, And if you're not a good basketball team, I don't care who you're playing, even if you're playing at home, there's a good chance that you're going to lose. You mm-hmm. know, And if Brandon Williams, does he make a difference for this team? Absolutely he would. And I don't know if they lose to Washington State with Brandon Williams on the floor. I don't think so. But at the yeah. same time, you'd like to think that there's enough talent on the roster where you can survive without Brandon Williams and still beat Washington State at home. You know, so like if you were a big moral victory fan after the ASU game where all these guys stepped up and they were competitive against one of the better teams in the conference on the road, you say, oh, well, maybe this could work. Well, the last two games showed that. Nope. <laughs> you know, no. and there might be another game. There probably will be other games this year where it does work, where guys get hot, where Ryan Luther makes a few threes and Smith makes some threes and Coleman does and Arizona wins. But yeah. that's what happens when you're average or even below average like this team has been lately. You're not going to be awful. 
for 40 minutes a game, and you're not going to be awful every game. But you're certainly not good enough to win consistently. And I don't I know we've kind of gone back and forth because when this team was in Hawaii, we're like, oh, they played hard, they played well, maybe they're better than we thought. And then they struggled some in the rest of the non-conference, and they beat UConn, and then they have a nice start to Pac-12 play. We're like, oh, well, if they're gonna, if Arizona's going to be good this year, all these things that had to happen are happening. Well, now we're seeing the flip side of that. They had no depth. They have inconsistent shooting. They don't have any real go-to player. Their defense, while it plays hard, is like completely missing that presence, that shot blocker, that shutdown wing defender. Like it's just it's not a good basketball team, made worse by injury, sure. Yeah. But it's just not a good basketball team and that's what happens. You lose to Washington State at home after being competitive enough against Washington, but also losing that game. Like they're what on a five game losing streak right now, Arizona? Yeah. And yeah. that's I don't know when it ends. It will. But that's just the reality we have to accept right now. And I think most of us probably understood that the whole time that we all said this probably one of the least talented teams we've seen from Arizona in a long while. We just didn't know how that would look. Yeah, you know, we didn't know. Okay, they're not going to win the Pac-12, but are they going to be number four? What, what were they ranked preseason by the media? Was it second or third or something like that? Some I ridiculous. Think, I think it was third or fourth. Yeah, even. like yeah. it's like we're all going like what? But yeah. I think that's the thing. Like most people thought Sean Miller was a really good coach who could get the most out of him, and he might be. Actually, I don't know what this team should be any better than they have been. But there comes a point where. You're just not good enough, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you steal a game. You beat Oregon State at home when you lose Chase Jeter because guys step up, but then you lose by mm-hmm. double digits, you know, 20 points a game to UCLA and to USC. Then you compete with ASU out of nowhere and then look bad against the Washington schools back in McKay. Like Arizona basketball this season, the 2018-2019 Arizona Wildcats are just not very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's been, painful it, to recognize that, but I think that's the mm-hmm. truth. I you know, and I think I think what makes it even more difficult, but but at the same time, kind of it, it was fun while while it lasted. I mean, they, they just so overperformed. You know, to think to think at one point this team was fourteen and four, and we're actually receiving votes in 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 the AP poll. I mean, oh, that, the that's good old I mean, days. those were that. I mean, that was six games ago. I mean, that is just insane to think how long ago that was. You know, and and now here we are. It's just like, all right. I mean, this is this now. Uh, this is kind of the new reality. But also at the same time, it's it's somewhat of a false reality. I'll say just because again, no Brandon, no Brandon Williams. Chase Jeter is still banged up. So right, you can still kind of somewhat hang your hat on that. Brandon Randolph, he he just he he just regressed to his mean. I mean that that's all there is. Like if you want to talk about over an overperformance, that that is uh, the definition of overperformance. You know what Brandon Randolph did for the first half of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that should not be the standard. And I think you know you pointed that earlier, and I and I really think that that that's a fair point. Uh, that that's just really, you know, who he is. I mean, he's got the upside, but he's just not there yet. Uh, and it's not fair to expect that of him every single game. Um, you know, so m- moving on, you know, Adam, th- this team now travels to the mountain schools. So they take on, uh, Utah and Colorado. Uh. Um, I, uh, I don't, I mean, of course it, a lot of it probably depends on Brandon Williams availability for this. Um, but you know, the MCL sprain that that's, that's kind of, I mean, that's, isn't that what Todd Gurley had? And, you know, they can say Todd Gurley was healthy for, for, you know, the, the, uh, the saints game and then, and then the super bowl, of course, but, you know, it, it's known that an MCL sprain, a sprain, especially you know, with a guy that relies so heavily on cutting and just you know, whatever else, um, that takes a while to heal. So I'm a bit concerned. I mean, d- 
does it just even make sense at this point, Adam, because sitting at 14 and 10, does it just make sense to rest up and get everyone healthy and just make a run for the, for the PAC 12 tournament? I mean, it, <laughs> I, I mean, in, in theory it would, but at the same time, like you can't just give up on the rest of the regular season either. You need your guys to grow. And what the, Right now, number four in the conference is Utah at seven and four. Arizona's two games back of them with a game against them. So obviously, if you want to make a run in the Pac-12 tournament, you having a top four seed is super helpful. So I, this team has been so so all over the place. And yeah, if you want to even say that, the last time they were healthy, where they had Brennan Williams and they had Chase Jeter, that was what the Oregon loss. Yeah, before, which, was, which kinda... was a bad game, but before yeah. that. They had looked pretty good, beating Cal, beating Stanford, Utah, Colorado. So you'd say the you first know, half of the Oregon State game. Yeah. So I don't, you know, it's I don't know if maybe they've played over their heads at times, or the fact that the injuries have really robbed them of basically their two best players. You know, and like they weren't good enough, like they weren't great with those guys, and they're certainly not going to be very good without them. But in terms of resting up, like I think these guys have to play, and yeah. you hope that they're healthy and in rhythm by the time you get to Vegas. But even then, I'm not even looking at Vegas. It's saying. That's where Arizona makes the tournament still. I don't think Arizona's good enough to win three straight games in Vegas, and I certainly don't think they're good enough to win four straight games against any whoever they're going to play in Vegas. Maybe they steal one game, maybe two. But I just, I guess we don't know what this the best version of this Arizona team looks like because late, this late in the season, we don't get to see that. We don't get to see them with Brandon Williams, with a healthy Chase Jeter. And maybe with those two and guys slide into roles, they can go on a nice little tear, but... I think if Chase Jeter is healthy enough to play, he needs to play. And I think if Brandon Williams gets back to where he's healthy enough to play, then he needs to play. And whether that's to make it just try to get a couple more wins here before you get to the Pac-12 tournament, whether it's to be ready for the Pac-12 tournament, whether it's just because they're basketball players and basketball players play basketball, I think that's probably the best thing for them, especially when you don't know what's going to happen next year, these guys, their roles. And if you're Brandon Williams, you need to establish yourself because there are guards coming in next year. If you're Chase Jeter, you need to establish yourself. So, no, I wouldn't tank the rest of the regular season just to be more healthy for the tournament. I would just play and hope that the bad luck that's found you recently kind of shifts. But even then, it's just not a very good basketball team. So to even be planning for anything postseason style, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. What I will say is just because there's so much parity in the Pac-12, I mean, even even with Washington, and it was so predictable that Washington was good, then going to go to Tempe and lose oh, to, to ASU. I mean, it was, it's just so, I, I, oh my God, I wish, I just wish that I had put money on that game because it was just <laughs> so obvious that that was going to happen. Um, but but, I, but back, back to the point, right? Like, I just think that, because, you know, honestly, for it only to even be, you know, a seven point game again, I know that final score, as I mentioned, was a bit deceiving. Um, but, you know, again, you know, with the injury issues, uh, just with 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 the absence of, you know, certain players and certain levels of production, Chase Jeter still banged up. Right. Um, it just felt like that game was still there for the taking against Washington. Oh, yeah. So, I- it, it, Oh, so, so even no, no, you're fine. I mean, so even if, even if you know, it, it's clearly Washington and then everybody else. Um, I would argue, you know, like okay, yeah, yeah, fine. If you want to put Washington there because you know they've proven it at this point, right? Like they're nineteen and nineteen and five, ten and one in the conference. Fine, you. They've had a great start in the first eleven games. Um, but I would argue, you know, that everybody is beatable, and and I think Arizona can certainly go on a run here. Now, if, if they get, if they get healthy though, that that's the key, right? Chase year gets back to what the, the, the pre Oregon state crazy fall thing, uh, brain Williams knee kind of shores up a little bit. 
and then your brand Randolph can get away from this two of 13 business, that type of stuff. I release still keeps going the way he's going. You know, then people start falling back into their natural positions, right? Ryan Luther then, you know, starts coming off the bench again, right? Dylan Smith slides into the three spot. Justin Coleman, you know, we know he's up and down. He can maybe get pull something together in three straight games. Um, they've also already had the precedence too early in the season, of course, but they've already had the practice of playing three straight games, right? Like I think these little, just little things like that. So, yeah. uh, and, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's unlikely. I'll give you that. It's <laughs> unlikely. I, 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 I'm cer- I certainly wouldn't bet on it happening, but I, but I, I, I would be lying if I say that I would be shocked if they then went on a three game winning streak or I mean, four, even for that matter. Right. Um, and four is kind of the throwaway game at that point. Cause Say they get the six seed, but then they're playing the eleventh team, uh, which mm-hmm. Washington State. I, that would be just embarrassing once again if we lost to Washington State twice in a season. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I just it, it would not shock me if they went on a run, just because if everybody gets healthy, we've seen what they're capable of, and there's nobody that daunting in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, we we say that, and that's a lot of ifs, right? There's you know, a lot we of talk ifs. about guys sliding into roles and playing well, and you know, I love your optimism. Because and I and I see I know why why you're doing that. I do the same thing because you need something to hold on to for the rest of this season, and it's hard to imagine that Arizona just isn't good. Even the worst teams in the Miller era, I guess his the first team that he had was competitive. You had Derek Williams, and you felt oh that's still kind of fun, but you knew they weren't going to be very good that year anyway. Yeah. And then his third season when you know, what Josiah Turner was bad and like Sadiqi Johnson, just nothing worked out, and they were in the NIT and just got stomped in their first mm-hmm. NIT game because clearly they had no business. Like they didn't want to be there. Yeah, and then from there they've been in the tournament every year, and yeah, the Ryan Anderson team that year they just got destroyed by what Wichita State, right? It's like yeah. we knew they weren't great, but they weren't a bad basketball team. Whereas this team is probably closer to bad than great, and especially with them being banged up. I just I have a hard time seeing them putting together that type of a stretch. And that's not to say, you know, a week from now if they go up, if Brandon Williams comes back and they go and sweep this mountain road trip, I won't be saying well. You know, maybe they still do have some hope. But right now, if we're talking tournament, their only hope is to win the Pac-12 tournament. Yes. Which I know they've won the last couple. And so they've played well in that setting, but they've been a top seed. And Mm -hmm. this team, like, do I think even healthy, they're more talented than ASU? No. Do I think they're more talented than Utah? I don't know. You know, USC made them look pretty bad, too. So I just, yes, if everything goes right for Arizona, guys get healthy and they sign into roles. Brandon Randolph rediscovers his shot. Dylan Smith has more consistency. Coleman maintains his aggressiveness. Then, yeah, maybe you get the Arizona team that beat Iowa State, the one that led Gonzaga for, what, 30 minutes and competed with Auburn. But that's so long ago, and I just think the sample size we've seen, like Brandon Williams is a good player when he's healthy. Chase Jeter's a good player when he's healthy. After that, I just don't know who you count on game in and game out. And if you're going to win a tournament setting, you need guys who you can count on. And especially with all the distractions now that have come about too, like just – Everything about this season seems to have gone off the rails. You know, the injuries happened at the absolute wrong time. You know, Chase Jr. gets hurt before you go to a winnable road trip against the L.A. schools, who weren't very good, but still a tough road trip, and you lose Chase Jr. Then you get back from that, you get to play ASU, a place where you've had a lot of success, and then pass the rivalry game, and then you lose Brandon Williams for that before then coming back home for Washington schools, who both of them were beatable, especially at McHale. So... You know, this whole season seems like bad timing, bad break, bad luck, whatever you want to call it. But either way, just it's kind of going off the rails if it hasn't already. And I guess it could be salvaged in Vegas, but I just I can't see it. 
I can't. Don't put money on it. No. no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So, Adam, I, I, I think that that actually is a decent segue then into something that, that occurred during the Washington State game, right? So, um, Dave Hickey, uh, athletic director Dave Hickey, had kind of this random this random, I guess you can call it press. It wasn't really a press conference. It was just, he spoke, right? So it was like, um, Dave Hickey, of course, you know, with all the, with all the news of the assistant coach, Mark Phelps and the NCAA violation, allegedly that took place with Mark Phelps. Uh, and you know, what have you, everything that happened there, think back to, uh, anybody that didn't listen to the podcast, uh, with, with Rob and Bryant last week, uh, go ahead and give, give, give that, give that a listen, uh, go back in the archive there to find that, uh, kind of catch up to speed there, but I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast is well up to speed on the Mark Phelps deal. Um, basically, you know, there's been some, some, some buzz, a little rumors in the rumor mill coming out that, you know, like this could be it for Sean Miller. Uh, you know, the Arizona boards of regents was meeting and they were discussing, you know, firing Sean Miller, blah, blah, blah. There's tons of, you know, whatever, you know, it seems like, you know, this happens now. I mean, what the FBI thing broke 18 months ago, there's probably been four or five instances where, you know, air quotes, the, uh, Arizona board of regents met to discuss the, the future of Sean Miller. So, I mean, at this point we're just kind of growing numb to the whole thing, but, uh-huh. um, staying on track here, right? So Mark Phelps, that whole bit happens. Sean Miller, obviously the FBI the subpoena bit could be coming down. The line. Yahoo report, which I thought had nothing really new in it. <laughs> None of this does. I mean, that that's what's kind of annoying. But then that also maybe speaks to what Dave Hickey's position on this whole thing was. Right. So um, Mark Phelps, this whole thing had nothing to do with the FBI investigation. Um, but, but Dave Hickey comes out then and says just reaffirms that he supports he and Arizona supports Sean Miller, right? Yeah. Like he said, you know, like we are behind them. We are behind this program and we stand by Sean Miller quote. I support coach Miller. We support coach Miller. And you know, those things, what he goes on to say, those things that have been said to the contrary of that are not true point, right? Like that's it. Like that, that's very, that's very clear. Adam, I'm somewhat to the point here, and, and we were discussing this a little bit, and, and I, you know, I, I think that we probably disagree slightly on, on what the future holds here. Um, I actually think I, I'm, I'm in the camp where, Adam, it's really tough for me to say, just given, you know, with, with the recruiting class coming in, but I'm kind of to the point, man, where like, you know, for, for this Mark Phelps thing then to come out, you know, that it has nothing to do with the FBI investigation. That's good, right? Like, I'm glad that there's not more stuff coming out about the FBI investigation, but for there to be now something different than the FBI investigation that involves an NCAA uh, violation is just kind of, I mean, it's just, it just, we're we're not approaching Rick Pitino. Like we're not quite at Rick Pitino level, but, but, but consider like all the strikes against Rick Pitino, right? How long can you go on saying I had no knowledge of this, no knowledge of this. And at what point is the lack of institutional control? Because clearly there is a lack of institutional control. Like if he really, if Sean Miller doesn't know about what's going on, didn't know about book Richardson, didn't know about Mark Phelps. If all that's true, like at what point did you say like, all right, you're not I mean, you're not really, yes, you're doing a good job in recruiting. And yes, you have been successful in terms of wins and losses. um, But you're not really, as far as the whole thing's concerned, you're not really running a tight ship here. Um, how, how do you, what, what's your position on these, on, on these Dave Hickey comments? I mean, that, everything you just said is totally fair. And even, I don't think Hickey's comments mean a lot, 
it might no. just be lip service because right now he's the athletic director and Sean Miller's the head basketball, the men's basketball coach. And probably Miller has more clout within the community and university than Hickey does. But at the same time, like, Hickey's in a tough spot. He may not like Sean Miller, but I also think if they were going to fire him, it would have happened last year. You know, like, and right now it does seem like death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, just a slow drip, drip, drip. But I think, and I, I kind of look at the Miller situation too with the ways that if he had won a national championship, say, four years ago, five years ago, one of the T.J. McConnell years, how are people talking about him right now, even with all this FBI and investigation stuff? You know, if they didn't have the number one recruiting class set to come in next year, how are people talking about things? And it's all, it's all connected. And Because I, I, I honestly think there were some people who were ready to move on from Miller after what happened against Buffalo last year. You know, the people who think, oh, well, he's winning. Well, he's been here now, what, nine years? And he's not produced a Final Four team, a couple of close calls. And people are like, well, you need to win. So there's that camp that even if the FBI thing wasn't happening, there's still going to be a segment of the fan base and the alumni probably and the donors are saying, you know what, we need to find a new coach who can get Arizona back to the Final Four, get them over that hump. You know, Miller did a great job for what he did, got us, you know, got the program out of the doldrums from the loot mess. And then, but at some point, it wears thin, you run your course, and you got to move on. But then you add the FBI thing, and yeah, that, that changes the entire dynamic. But I just, I don't know what Hickey could say other than what he did, saying that, hey, if anyone thinks that I'm not in Miller's camp and I don't support him, we don't get along, they're lying, like that's not true. There's probably some truth to it. But it really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I don't think, if they wanted to fire Miller, it would have happened already. And I think with the number one recruiting class coming in, assuming that doesn't fall apart, I don't see them firing Miller. I don't see them spending the money to do that. They already fired Rich Rodriguez and had to hire a new coach there and pay him the rest of his thing. Like, there's, you can't just keep firing coaches and assume you're going to be able to afford to get new ones. So, you know, the fear of not being able to do better than Sean Miller isn't a reason not to get rid of him. But just given the circumstances, you do have to have an understanding of, okay, by doing that, by making that move, where does that put your program? You know, do you lose your recruiting class? How far does this set you back? You know, which coach could you get here? Do you have the money to get a high-profile coach? Or you have to go with an up-and-comer? Are you getting Luke Walton? For some reason, everybody wants him in Tucson now. Like, what are you doing post-Sean Miller? Because right now, for all the warts and all the problems, the institutional control, and no doubt, it's hard to imagine that a control freak like Sean Miller did not know what his assistants were doing. Right. You know, I, I believe that it's, I mean, is it possible that Book Richardson was kind of doing some rogue things? Yeah, it is. You know, if it was like the agency stuff that Miller had no idea about that. Or maybe there was an ignorance is bliss type of thing. I don't know. But I just think right now, there's still an easy way to say the best way out of this for Arizona basketball to get back to where we're used to seeing them is with Sean Miller still as their head coach. But the more news that comes out, again, even the Yahoo report, I don't think there was much new. The idea that he could be subpoenaed, Yahoo, of course he could be. Why is that new? Yeah, like obviously. Right. Like if there's a trial and he's a witness or something, he could be subpoenaed. I understand that. But anytime anything that comes out, it's always a national story. Then it becomes this huge deal. And the Phelps thing may have nothing to do with that. They said it had nothing to do with any of that. And that could easily be them saying, well, like he had a violation last season. I remember he was, what, suspended the first couple of games for doing something. And maybe they're not big deals, but it could be completely independent of the FBI stuff. And if you're Arizona basketball right now, you have to say to Sean Miller, to to his staff, everybody, that you have to do everything by the freaking book. And if you step out of line at all, we're going to have to make a move because you have to show, at least give the appearance of you're trying to run a tight ship, a clean ship. So 
I know Phelps' lawyer is proclaiming his innocence and the investigation's not complete, and I don't know. What, what was with Sharif O'Neal? Was there something like his transcripts or whatever trying to get him into U of A? That'd be amazing. The guy who brings them down never even went to U of A. Yeah, but, right. So I just think, like, you can still make, if you want to, explain away all these things and say, oh, well, Sean Miller must not have known. Like, still, the institutional control thing is going to be an issue, but it doesn't mean that he's dirty. But it's mm-hmm. hard to believe that. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. to believe that he had no knowledge of all these things. And the Phelps thing may have nothing to do with any of that stuff. It may be a very light trans, you know, transgression that normally wouldn't be a big deal. But because Arizona basketball is where it is right now, everything is a big deal. So for he, I, he's in a bad spot. He's in a tough spot. But, you know, I, I don't know how this ends. I don't know when it ends. But I know as an Arizona fan, as someone who cares about the university, the basketball program and stuff, I, I want it to end. I want to move on. I want this dark cloud to be lifted over the program. I just don't know when that happens or how it happens. It, it is. I, I, I love the phrase there, death by a thousand cuts, because it, it is finally like it's getting to the point where it is just wearing down on me. And I think it's 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 a combination of just how this season has also unfolded. I mean, sure, obviously, you know, like it'd be different. It'd be a lot different, right? There'd be a lot to be excited about. Um, and, and I even had my doubts, you know, with the whole Nico Mannion and Josh Green thing, you know, like this is fantastic. And I, I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, right after Josh Green had had committed, pretty sure even on, you know, when you and I were recording, I even said, you know, yeah, it's great, but I'm not going to celebrate this until they make it to campus because so, like, they're still they a long LOIs, time. So like they can't just like back out, I don't think, but I also don't know how that works if Miller were to get fired. I would imagine that you, that they, that they could, yeah, I guess I, I don't know specifically either, but I would imagine that you should be able to, um, yeah, if there's a situation where Sean Miller gets fired, that you could request a transfer or something, right? Like, I, I don't see why yeah. that would be, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they'd be able to work something out. What was out. the quote from Nico Mannion's dad that he's still really excited to go play for Sean Miller next season? Right, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, so that that's somewhat encouraging, I guess. And, and, you know, like with the whole Dave Hickey thing and those comments, I would expect nothing less. I mean, at this point, they are ready. I mean, they backed him last year. You know, this small thing or perceived to be small thing with Mark Phelps. Yeah, it's dumb. You know, obviously it's illegal. Right. It, it, it was a <laughs> violation. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, if, if, if with everything going on, you know, it's just a small violation relative to what's going on with the whole FBI thing. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not shocked that Dave Hickey didn't pivot from that position, right? Like, yeah, st- stand behind him. That's fine. I guess, Adam, my whole thing is like, you know, wh- when is enough enough? You know, like, because at one point it does just feel like, is it better just to rip off the bandaid now? I mean, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of like Louisville, you know, and like, like the fallout from Rick Pitino mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like, okay, great. You know what they, they had, they had the self-imposed one year postseason ban. I think it was or maybe two. I think it was at least one. Um, you know, they've recovered from that. Rick Pitino got fired. They've recovered from that. They're currently sitting as we record this, they're, they're, they're sitting at the 16th ranked team in the country. You know, like they, they, they have overcome all of that, all of those issues. Now, one issue, and this is kind of what Bryant had pointed, pointed out, excuse me, was, um, you know, well, yes, they've overcome it to the extent of they've overcome the loss of Rick Pitino, but who knows what's going to happen with the FBI, right? Like the yeah. FBI could still drop the hammer, which is still very likely for all of these schools, right? And, uh, and, and who even knows? Who who knows how widespread this thing is? You know, I, obviously we all have sneaking suspicions that these are all these are very widespread issues. Um, but I guess in my mind, it's like, 
would it be said, look, Luke Walton is going to get fired and I, I I'm a big, you know, <laughs> fine. That's fine. Like I, I guess, you know, but, but if you have a big name like that, that can also would probably presumably if Luke Walton gets fired, his staff is getting fired as well. They're all going to be cut loose, which means miles Simon will also be cut loose. So either Luke Walton or miles Simon and, or miles Simon for that matter, like how great would that be? You know, like just cut it off with Sean Miller, make, make a, a some sort of deal with Luke Walton, miles Simon say, come back, rebuild this, get Luke, uh, loot Olson involved with those negotiations, whatever, you know, just, this is up to you guys. Like, oh, it would be a, please rebuild this. It would be a feel good story, but why do we think they could? You know, Louisville uh, got Chris actually, Mack, right? Chris Mack has been successful at other stuff. So like, so it makes sense. You hire that guy. Luke Wallen was an interim coach for the Warriors. They were good under him. Imagine that. I could coach them right now. To yeah, some I, it, he goes to the I, Lakers, I, and it's been a tire fire there. So do we think he could come to Arizona and recruit? Do we think he's a good game planner? Like, it's nice to have that alumni idea, that feel. But I'm just like, that's where I wonder what you do. And, like, to your point, like, when is enough, is en- when is enough, enough with this? Like, it feels like that's the point now. I just... Yeah, I would tell you, or I would, I would venture to guess that if Arizona did not have the number one recruiting class lined up, something might happen. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the first really bad Arizona season that we've seen in a long time, and of course, they're still over five hundred, so like they're still going to win seventeen, eighteen games probably. Yeah, but I, I do believe, and this is where, like last year when this happened, like the FBI thing broke right before the season started, right. And there was that cloud, but then everything seemed to kind of get back on track. Then the report came out in February after the ASU win about, you know, Miller, he missed the game against or whatever. But that team was so talented where they could persevere and get through all this. Mm-hmm. You know, they could still win games. And even with all that going on, when the big season began, we said, well, this all sucks, but this team has DeAndre Ayton, it has Alonzo Trier, it has Raleigh Alkins. Like, they could still win a national championship, so we're going to watch for that. And then when the stuff happened in February, Miller came back. There was this us-against-the-world mentality, like, yeah, screw you, ESPN and Schleybaugh and all that. Like, DeAndre Ayton's going to be coming for you, you know? And, of course, it didn't happen. And I do wonder. I'm sure of it, actually. I don't even wonder. I'm sure what happened against Buffalo, what happened the year before against Xavier, what happened the year before Wichita State, that these postseason failures probably matter more to a lot of Arizona fans than the FBI stuff. Because I think most of feel that these coaches nothing's clean no top program is perfectly clean the way we'd like for them all to be but as long as you win it's tolerated for better or worse yeah now sean miller who's never won big he's never gone to the final four never got arizona over that hump up to this point like so he doesn't have that to fall back on and then this year's team just isn't very good so like if arizona was leading the conference right now and in the top 25 people are saying yeah screw the other stuff you know, look at what a great coach he is getting them through this. But right now what they have, what he has to hang his head on is that recruiting class and that belief that, hey, once you get Nico Mannion, Josh Green, uh, Coloco, Armstrong, once you get these guys on campus, Arizona's much, much better next year and back in the conversation for a Final Four and a national championship. But without that, without that hope, I would have little doubt that Sean Miller would have already been fired. And, mm-hmm. But I also think if you're an Arizona booster, if you're in the administration – you saw the recruiting class he put together after the FBI stuff happened, right? Like, he got all these guys. He was able to convince Brandon Williams to stick it out with Arizona, brought in Dutrieve, like, made it. He salvaged a recruiting class for this season and then put together the top one in the country for next season. And that, yeah. that's with all this stuff going on. So it's like, well, if this is going to be there and if you, really, if you really believe and either you know or you believe that Sean Miller is going to be innocent of any 
charges that may be brought up or any of these rumors that are out there, then you say, you still have a guy who can recruit with the best of them, who has gotten you right to the edge of that mountain, you know, right near the top, and you feel like, hey, just get things back on track, you know, starting with next year's recruiting class, and then Arizona's back to being Arizona. I think that's why you keep him right now. But um, it's certainly a, uh, it's a tough call. Yeah, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. I've, I've liked the Sean Miller era. I've wished it would have peaked a little bit higher than it has, but I still believe it could. Yeah, I'm not down on Sean Miller, the coach or the recruiter, but I understand. I'm, I'm an Arizona guy, and when all these stories come out, whether there's new information or not, they end up on the front page. They end up being the radio conversations. They end up all that stuff. And I have friends asking, what's going on with U of M? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm as tired as you are, and I'm sure, I mean, you're quite tired of it yourself, and I think we all are. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know what the way out is. And I'm not sure firing Sean Miller and bringing in Luke Walton or whoever is the way out. Because I could see that go in the opposite direction. You bring in the alum, he comes in, he doesn't recruit that well. Arizona falls back you know, to the middle of the pack in the conference and struggles to get back to what we're used to. You know, like Sean Miller did raise the bar. And now it's hurt, it's hurt him because he got to the Elite Eight, although, you know, what, three times or, you know, three times in his first five years, six years, and came that close to getting to the Final Four. And now people expect that of them, which is fine. They should. But, like, honestly, I know I'm rambling here, but I feel like that is what's causing more issues with the fan base than even the investigation stuff is the fact that they're just not winning this season. But yeah, there's yeah, hope of winning next season. It's easier to get past. Definitely compounds matters when you're not winning, right? Winning cures all, right, as they say. So, well, Adam, I guess, you know, we're, yeah, we're, we're well over an hour here. So well, let's go ahead. About 25 minutes talking. That's my bad. <laughs> no, no, you're good. And honestly, that's going to be the highlight of, of the episode because, uh, yeah, the last three games were nothing really to be too excited about. And so, the next uh, two might fit in. <laughs> You know, Seven we, game we need losing positive, streak. right? Like as mm-hmm. fans, as alums, as people who follow the program, you need something positive to happen over the last either the Washington game or Washington State. Yeah, you know, you have the Yahoo report, you have the Phelps thing. It's like just give you something to smile about, you know, something mm-hmm. else to talk about, something that you could say, "Hey, that was good." And just for the last like what five days now, there hasn't been anything good from Arizona basketball. It's and been ugly. That's hopefully it changes. Getting Brandon Williams back would be a start. And who knows, maybe going on this mountain trip energized and, you know, Ted Boyle, no one likes him. Yeah. You know, Arizona and Utah always seem to play close games. So, like, maybe they just have something to smile like. They deserve it. The players do. They've gone through a lot. (laughs) This Uh can't be fun for them to be part of the worst Arizona team that anyone can remember. No, (laughs) no. No, no, it's not fun. It's not fun for anybody involved. So, yep, the mountain trip uh, kicks off Thursday, so Valentine's Day, 7 p.m. If you don't have dinner reservations with your significant other, pull up a seat and watch them on ESPNU. How about that? And then on Colorado, the Colorado game also on ESPNU. So back-to-back games on Colorado, or excuse me, on ESPNU, the Colorado game will be played on Sunday the 17th. So that'll be a slight change of pace from what we're accustomed to on the Thursday, Saturday games. Uh, Adam predictions here. I mean, is it fair just to say we're going to lose both? <laughs> if Brandon Williams comes back and is himself and Chase Jeter gets to be Chase Jeter again, Arizona's not worse than either of those programs, but yeah. it's certainly hard to imagine like after what we've seen the last five games that they're going to go on the road against decent teams and win. So, yeah, I would say it's fair to say they're going to lose both. And, like, go into this one pessimistic. Go into the rest of the season pessimistic. And maybe you'll be you pleasantly be surprised. surprised every now and then, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in that scenario, if Chase Jeter is you know continues to progress uh, with his health as as, we, as he should, right? Um, and Brandon Williams comes back, I could definitely see Arizona winning at Colorado. Utah, I do not see happening. So we'll uh, we'll recap next week, hopefully here. So with some good news, uh, I, I can't imagine. It's going to be really, really hard to imagine a seven-game losing streak, eight of nine. I mean, who would have – I wouldn't have thought that, especially the way the season began. We've already touched on that, so we'll yeah. leave that one alone. But um, All right, everyone, so enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games, hopefully, and uh, we will recap next week. So until then, bear down.